Hello, listeners. Today's important question is, are you a fan of the old TV sitcom Saved by the Bell? Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about one of its most popular or really remembered episodes. And the show was about, this particular episode was about a character who was using caffeine pills and the impact it started to have. So as I talk about that episode, we are going to dive into really about caffeine use in general, learning more about it, exploring the issues of dependency and addiction, and as well as the impact that it has on addiction and recovery. So want to welcome you to another episode of Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Andrew J. Schreier, and we are here as always to talk about issues related to alcohol, drugs, addiction, recovery, mental health, counseling, treatment, and everything else that really is intertwined with all these different topics. Today, if you are a casual consumer of caffeine or you think you might be drinking too much, this is going to be really a good one for you. I've always wanted to talk about caffeine use. and There's a client story I'm going to share in this episode that really highlights the reason why I've always wanted to talk about it and get into it and just give some education and knowledge about it. And one of the things that really kind of got this going as an episode was there There was an article about Saved by the Bell, and it was a sitcom released back in 1989 and followed this group of high school students and their principal. And, you know, one of the most standout episodes of the TV sitcom was known as Jesse's Song. And the premise of this, this episode is that Jesse is doing a lot of things with schooling and she's in a music group with two of the other main characters and she's starting to do so much and because of feeling overwhelmed and the need to perform and succeed she starts to turn to caffeine pills as a result of like the pressure with having to do midterms and and being in a singing group and Slater who is her boyfriend and on and off throughout the the sitcom, but he becomes concerned that the pills she's using is could be damaging. And then he talks to other people, and sometimes their their reaction is that he's worried too much or he's too concerned about it. it's no big deal. As the episode progresses, you know, one of her good friends, which is Zach, the main character, finds out about her problems. He ends up canceling a big performance they were going to have for the group and he rushes to her side which is um in her bedroom where he he climbs through the window and if you haven't seen it watch it and if you have seen it before you can do what i did and take a trip down memory lane and watch it again and the scene that really stands out to fans and even some of the actors and people involved in the episode was as Zach comes into Jesse's room and he's attempting to stop her from taking the pills and she responds by singing what's become one of the most famous lines in Say by the Bell which is I'm so excited I'm so excited and then she breaks down and says I'm so scared and this past year Elizabeth Berkeley, who played Jesse talked about how amazed she was about the impact of the episode and it recently celebrated 30 years after it originally aired, which was on November 3rd, 1990. And filming the episode, she talked about how a lot of real emotions came up and how 
raw it felt to do it. And f- Say by the Bell primarily focused on some light-hearted comedic situations, but it occasionally touched on like serious social stuff, you know, like drug use. There's one about driving under the influence of alcohol. Even called their covers, you know, like death, women's rights issues, environmental stuff, um, homelessness, and it's not a show where these are carried out throughout the entire season, or they're not turned into major storylines, but they do become a big part of that current episode. And you wonder, you know, what was it about this one in particular that really connected with people? So, you know, Jesse having these demands, um, obligations, feeling pressured, using something, then having that breakdown of I'm so excited, I'm so excited, I'm so scared. You know, what is it that people really connect with? Is it, Was it the demands of school, like things with friends or work that teenagers experience? Was it that moment where she breaks down and recognizing that while I say I'm excited or, you know, AKA I'm fine, that I'm not really excited and in actuality, I'm really scared. That, that flood of relief that finally comes after trying to keep it all together for so long. So I kind of wonder what is it that stands out to you about that episode? If it is one of your, favorites at least one that stands out and as a substance abuse counselor in mental health it definitely pulls me into that direction about caffeine use because in the episode she was using caffeine pills and part of the storyline was Slater talking to her about how dangerous they can be so that kind of leads us into why don't we talk enough about caffeine use so when we look at it caffeine is the world's most frequently used stimulant. And it's probably likely the most popular one. Most of it is consumed in beverages, you know, such as tea, coffee, and soda, you know, and the growing popularity of energy drinks. You know, these beverages have been integrated into like social customs, traditions, you know, ceremonies. Drinks with caffeine are consumed by people kind of like with ritualistic notions, you know, like first thing in the morning, you know, having it after every meal, you know, we have frequent coffee breaks, tea times, um, or even like those afternoon pick-me-ups. I did a a Google search of just caffeine sayings and quotes, and just by sharing some of them, you can tell how much of a caffeine is, is a priority or how important it is from like a societal perspective so like when you look at it here are some help me caffeine you're my only hope there's a star wars connection right there i'm not addicted to caffeine i just need it to function don't talk to me before i've had my morning coffee the most dangerous drinking game is seeing how long i can go without coffee today's plan number one coffee number two stay out of arguments on the internet number three probably more coffee May your coffee give you strength to make it to your mid-morning coffee. Be amazing today, but first coffee. So we see these messages like this on the internet, like imprinted on coffee mugs, on t-shirts. Some of us even say these very same things to people. So yes, caffeine consumption is a very large part of our world. Now, let me make this statement right away before we go 
further. I am not against caffeine use, and I'm, I'm not going to make the argument that everyone needs to stop using caffeine. I already had my cup of coffee this morning. The goal is to always just talk about these issues, gain some education, increase awareness, and yeah, talk about impact on addiction recovery, even mental health. And that's part of the goal is to always, what kind of impact can this have? Can it have a potential impact on someone's mental health or recovery from substance use? So not against caffeine, but learning something, get some awareness and get some education too. So let's break down a little bit about caffeine. And some statistics in general is caffeine is found to be over in 60 plants. Finland is actually the largest consumer of caffeine per capita in the world. The United States is not even in the top 10 countries that consume the most coffee. 85% of Americans over the age of two consume at least one caffeinated drink per day. And when we look at Americans with coffee... 68 million Americans drink three cups of coffee every single day. 21 million Americans drink six or more cups of coffee every single day. So here's a really great question to ask is, what is the recommended amount of daily dose of caffeine, so to speak? And that answer, which you may or may not know, is 400 milligrams. So what does that mean? So a great question to follow up with that is, you know, do you know how much caffeine is in some of the beverages or products you consume? So let's take a look at some averages for some of the common beverages and products caffeine has in it. So when you look at a cup of brewed coffee, there is 135 milligrams. When you look at a cup of instant coffee, there's 76 to about 106 milligrams on average cup of decaffeinated coffee is three milligrams. Now that's interesting to know because some people believe when it says decaf that there is no caffeine in it. Now there is a big difference between the 135 in a brewed cup of coffee and a decaffeinated coffee which is three milligrams but don't assume that because it says it's caffeine free that it has or that it's decaf, there's nothing in it. Always make sure to check on that. Cup of tea is 43 milligrams. Can of regular soda, um, cola, soft drink containing caffeine, on average has 36 to 50 milligrams. Cans of energy drink, on average, has 80 milligrams. Dark chocolate, 19 milligrams. Milk chocolate, 7 milligrams. Hot chocolate mix, which is 7 milligrams. And then stay awake pills, those caffeine pills, can have up to 100 milligrams on average per pill. We're going to get to some other ways that people use and ingest caffeine as well. When you look at those few items, those, those common items where beverages and products containing caffeine is, you know, one of the things you got to look at is, you know, it says a cup. And you look at it as how big is a cup. And you can measure a cup. But you also realize some places you go to, and sometimes when people make it, these these cups are bigger than just what that average cup is. You know, sometimes you go to a place and they serve you a big soup bowl of coffee or tea, 
And, you know, I know some people, when they pour a cup, the cup could be a size of a water bottle. And there's more than one cup in there. So it's always, I knew someone who, you know, they have their cup and they do a Keurig, but they do a large one. Then they would do a small one. It's in the same coffee mug, but that's just not one cup, even though it fits in literally one cup. Another thing you have to look at is caffeine, like that's not always in your beverage. And looking like where else do you consume caffeine? It's not just beverages, although there is a, that is where a majority of people consume it. But caffeine is even in some medications and foods. So do people really pay attention to how much caffeine is being consumed outside of just their beverages? And that kind of leads into a combination of caffeine. Some people are enjoying caffeinated beverages that also have additional toppings or things that it would increase the amount of caffeine. For example, I've got a client who, when he comes to group, he makes, uh, he has a full cup of coffee, then he adds some sugar to it, but then he also puts in a packet of instant hot chocolate. So... When you look at that, it's not just there's a cup of coffee in there, but there's also sugar in there now, and there's also hot chocolate mix, which also has caffeine in it. So when you make things or order things and other stuff is added to it, the amount of caffeine that you may think you're having or you tell yourself you're having is not necessarily realistic. So it's always important to pay attention to those things, you know, if you're trying to look at how much caffeine I consume, where is it that I'm consuming that? And what is, where is all of it coming from? Not just the average one cup, but looking at what else I'm consuming. Caffeine overall is the most consumed psychoactive drug in the world. And as a psychostimulant, it shows all of the pharma, pharmacological properties of classical stimulants such as cocaine and amphetamines. So, yes, it does do the same reward circuitry as those drugs. Regular caffeine intake does create a dependence, which in part is because of the withdrawal symptoms that occur. And withdrawal symptoms can include headaches, decreased alertness, um, fatigue and lethargy, nervousness, irritability. You know, so... If you're someone that says you need your coffee or I need my soda or I can't function without it or you've gone without it for a while and you've experienced any of these symptoms, these are withdrawal symptoms. And some of them can last a day or two all the way up to a week. So it's not just it's going to last you know, for a little bit now, but they can last for, you know, a couple days or a week is, is pretty long time for some withdrawals. And, and the story I'm going to share later about a client, and we're going to talk about withdrawals that they experienced. Researchers and clinicians for a long time have been debating about the addictive potential and clinical importance of like caffeine use. And a survey that was done indicated that most professionals believe that caffeine withdrawal independence exists and that it's a a clinically relevant thing that we should be addressing it. However, there is no current clinical diagnosis in the DSM-5. And the DSM-5 is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. 
And what it is, is this recent addition has been um, from the APA's website is the product of more than 10 years of effort by hundreds of international experts in all aspects of mental health. Their dedication and hard work have yielded an authoritative volume that defines and classifies mental disorders in order to improve diagnosing, treatment, and research. So this is where we diagnose people with mental health disorders. And in there, that is where we would diagnose someone with a substance use disorder, you know, alcohol use disorder, opiate use disorder, other stimulant use disorders. But it does not have a caffeine use disorder diagnosis. However, there is a recommendation for it to be recognized as an area of future study. So I'm going to read you a couple things directly from the DSM-5. So when we look at it, there is a section that is under conditions for further study. And under diagnostic features, this is what part of the um, DSM-5 has about caffeine. Caffeine use disorder is characterized by the continued use of caffeine and failure to control use despite negative physical and or psychological consequences. That's what we see a lot with, you know, a use disorder. In a survey of the general population, 14% of caffeine users met the criterion of use despite harm, with most reporting that a physician or counselor had advised them to stop or reduce caffeine use within the last year. Counselor, that would be like me. In the same survey, 45% of caffeine users reported desire or unsuccessful efforts to control caffeine use. 18% reported withdrawal. 8% reported tolerance. 28% used more than intended. And 50% reported spending a great deal of time using caffeine. In addition, 19% reported a strong desire for caffeine that they could not resist, and less than 1% reported that caffeine had interfered with social activities, which that's not too surprising that it wouldn't interfere with social stuff. When you go down further, there is a prevalence section which talks about like how, how common is this or you know how frequent will we see this. And breaking it down, it says the expected prevalence of caffeine use disorder among regular caffeine users is less is likely less than 9%. Given that 75 to 8% of the general population use caffeine regularly, the estimated prevalence would be less than 7%. Among regular caffeine drinkers at high risk for caffeine use problems, approximately 20% may have a pattern of use that meets all three of the proposed criteria which would be meeting a caffeine use disorder. So all in all, really, we are looking at, it's not diagnosable, but they are saying we have to keep looking at it and recommended that we keep looking at it because of people having caffeine use become such an issue where it causes some of those things that we also see with other substance use disorders. You know, People, you know, kind of question whether caffeine is actually an addiction. And, you know, kind of the world's caffeine obsession can definitely be described as like a dependency, meaning when you have less or give it up, that's when you go through that withdrawal symptom. So, you know, can you be dependent on something and not have an addiction? You know, that's a 
the question that is asked. So I'm dependent on it, I need it, or I'm going to go through withdrawal, but does that mean I have an addiction to it? And when you look at caffeine, caffeine enhances dopamine signaling in the brain, which is that the chemical that helps control movement, motivation, even emotions, and it's going to make you feel more awake and alert. Thus, caffeine is classified as a stimulant. So while caffeine does produce a similar rise in dopamine in comparison to other substances like cocaine, it does not cause the overwhelming surge in the brain that creates that imbalance in the reward circuits. Cocaine, for example, like causes such an extreme rush, and the dopamine reuptake floods the system so much that it throws it off balance in the reward circuits and creates this, in essence, a chemical imbalance. So... The big difference between caffeine, de- caffeine dependence in addition to other stimulants like amphetamines, methamphetamines, cocaine, is that even if a person loves their coffee or tea or soda, they can go without it. They are able to manage the withdrawal symptoms and they do not engage in the destructive behaviors that we see with addiction. So this is important because... If you do, you know, say, well, caffeine's not a problem because I don't have an addiction to it, it doesn't mean you are disqualified from having a dependence on it. So we can't shy away and and say, well, no, I don't have an addiction. It's not causing me problems. I'm not, you know, robbing people to pay for my coffee. That doesn't mean you don't have a dependency on it. So... It's always important to look at the severity of any addiction or use or behavior on how distressed someone feels when when they want something or to engage in a behavior and can't get it or they can't do it and how much of a disruption this causes in their life. So someone might get headaches, but they're not quitting their job or they're not missing work. They're not... Um, you know, losing all their money is going into caffeine to keep using. Like, they're able to manage these things, deal with these things, push through it, and it does not cause the distress that we see in the disruption, the chaos, and destruction when it becomes like a use disorder in that addictive stage. So, does that mean we just kind of forget about caffeine and not worry about it at all? No, because too much caffeine can still be harmful. And some of the things that we really look at with fast-growing concerns and trends, there's there's four here that I've kind of really identified as one. Adolescents and young adults combine um, alcohol and caffeinated beverages. So energy drinks mixing with alcohol, that's a big concern. Um, We've also seen mixing alcohol and caffeine has been found to be significantly associated with high-risk drinking behaviors and adverse alcohol-related consequences among college students. So, in essence, kind of that's what we see with, um, kind of like in Jesse's song where she's using the pills to help study and do other things. We see that a lot with college students using caffeine pills, energy drinks, even stimulants like Adderall um, to help them study, to get through it and but then we're also seeing the combination or mixing with alcohol there is also 
more of a combination of young adults using caffeine with amphetamine related drugs. Like now we're talking about like ecstasy. We're talking methamphetamine. I've described in other episodes that, you know, methamphetamine has been on the rise. Um, In Wisconsin, for sure it has been, but even just across the country, methamphetamine has been growing. So now it's using caffeine, but also with amphetamine related type drugs. And, more so what I've been seeing too is with states and areas where marijuana has becoming legalized for various reasons, there's been a lot of encouragement pointing towards the need to study caffeine use and combination of marijuana. So that's another future one to look at. So there are things that can be concerning about caffeine use. You know, how much is being consumed? What are you consuming it with? Even how you're doing it can be concerning. Some people prefer to take, you know, caffeine in their coffee and their beverages. And like I said, that's the number one way to do it. But some people often prefer pill form. So sometimes not liking the taste, convenience, and even acidity and some of the popular reasons for um, using caffeine pills in comparison to traditional beverage forms. Like someone doesn't like coffee, they don't like tea, they don't like soda, they don't want to be you know, pounding energy drinks, so they might take a pill form. Caffeine pills became a real growing trend for a while. They became popular at, like, gas stations, local stores, even over the Internet, and they're popular with individuals who, like, don't like coffee or don't like to consume, like, beverages so much with it. Caffeine pills can contain natural but also synthetic forms of caffeine, and that's where sometimes the amount of caffeine can vary from 100 to 200 milligrams And because they can be made illicitly, there's no way of knowing how much is in there. And that's what we've seen a lot in in one of the episodes that I do of What's in Your Drugs and talking about not knowing exactly what's in it, how much is in it, where it's coming from. This is also true if people are getting their caffeine pills over the internet or through someone that they don't, that's almost like basically drug dealing of caffeine pills don't know exactly how much is in there now caffeine you know beverages pills are things that people are pretty well aware of but there is also powder so have you ever heard of caffeine powder you might think well it's the same thing maybe it's just the pill opens up and that's the powder but it's different and it's important to know that pills and pure caffeine powder are not the same Pure caffeine powder can potentially be dangerous too. And we don't know yet so much about it. But one of the things that just is really alarming is that 0.15 tablespoons can contain up to 1,200 milligrams of caffeine. And now remember, the daily recommended amount is 400 milligrams This is 0.15 tablespoons can contain up to 1,200 milligrams of caffeine. And sharing this information about pills and powder, you know, it kind of does open more doors for the potential for caffeine to abuse. We're talking higher amount of caffeine being ingested in ways that are not common with like consuming a beverage. You know, this could easily encourage someone to consume more thus increasing the potential for dependence. So when you look at it, 
the impact of caffeine use on recovery from addiction and mental health, you just have to be careful like about the potential impact that is there. You know, there's a humorous observation often made about going to a support meeting to stop alcohol or drug use, but you load up on coffee and cigarettes. You know, that, that has always been like a, why don't we talk about these addictions? And I see this a lot with people who quit cocaine or other stimulants. They often tend to really use a lot of caffeine and drink coffee or drink sodas or energy drinks. The problem is the amount of coffee they are attempting to drink isn't going to help them achieve that level of dopamine rush they receive from cocaine. In fact, most will report that the coffee or tea or soda they drink does not have as much of an effect at all on them And that's entirely because of the imbalance that has been created in the reward circuit part of the brain. But I always tell people as someone attempting to use caffeine or another substance to achieve that good feeling or high is really just substituting. So if they're attempting to engage in recovery, they should not be chasing that high in other forms of caffeine. So here's the real client story that opened my eyes to pay attention to caffeine use. And this talks, this can kind of show you about why to pay attention to it, how could it impact mental health, even recovery from addiction, and why it's important to pay attention to. So I was seeing a guy who was really stressed out with work, and he worked at a retail shop, It was at a mall, and the retail shop was shutting down their smaller one and opening up a much larger one in the same mall. And this is a very well-known retailer, um, big technology consumer product. So he was in charge of, you know, opening up the new one, transitioning things over, shutting down the old one. And this was a really, you know, stressful situation for him and, and understandable you know that was what he was going through there's also some other things you know like family related and stuff that was going on in, in relationship wise that he was seeing me for but this was identified as like a major source of stress and anxiety and that was one of the things that we were trying to work on was how do you how does he deal with his anxiety how does he cope with some of the stressors so I was seeing him for probably a year and there we weren't seeing much progress and despite some of the stuff that was going on with getting further along with the opening and the closing and all that kind of stuff that was happening and and we started seeing some things in his family improve but his anxiety was not getting much better and we just you know we were working really hard and I, I give him credit because he kept showing up kept coming back and trying some of the traditional things and ways of working with anxiety. And it wasn't working. And I remember this. And I, I remember when he came into my office one day and he brought in a Starbucks, definitely a Vente. And I, I noticed he always brought that in. And we're, we're talking and he was really stressed out and he just got off of work and he was coming to see me so this was probably you know like 
five, six o'clock at night and he's got this venti Starbucks after working all day. And he was pretty kind of frantic and, you know, really jittery and stuff. And as he's explaining his day and whatnot, he was just saying, oh, hold on, I need I need my coffee. So he, he takes a sip of his coffee. And I just got this intuition to ask about it, just to say, hey, I, you know, I noticed you drink that and you always come in here with, with a coffee. You know, I said, how often do you drink those? And, you know, he starts to tell me that he drinks them every day. And he tells me that the Starbucks has a kiosk that was between the new store and the old store. So he would walk back and forth multiple times. And, you know, then I was just asking more about it. Oh, like, well, what do you, what do you do? How much do you normally drink of that? So he tells me he normally gets three cups of coffee a day. So then I'm thinking, well, three cups, but that's a vente. So that's gotta be quite a bit. And then I was I was wondering, well, like how much do you do you drink of that? Like what what do you even get? You know, is that just plain coffee? So this was what he did an average day. He would drink three ventes. And the first two would have three shots of espresso. And the second one he had, had two shots of espresso. So on top of whatever else was in there, in a day, he was consuming eight shots of espresso. And, you know, right away, it was just like, wow, that just, that seems like a lot of caffeine. And, you know, he's seeing me for anxiety. He seems really jittery. You know, it's like he probably thinks he needs caffeine. You know, his body's probably telling him he needs caffeine. His mind is probably telling him he needs caffeine. But at the same time, caffeine is probably what's causing a lot of this over-anxiousness and, and jittery. So we literally worked on tapering him from his caffeine which is going down lower and not just going cold turkey. And it was a rough month. Yeah, I'm gonna, it, it was a month. And I remember I was talking to you about headaches. He reported headaches for over a month. You know, so give him props for getting through it. But that's, you know, like we said, there's a dependence there. But where is he with the addiction, he was able to get through it. Like he wasn't missing work, but he was dealing with headaches, getting through it. But here's, here's the real true part to this story of why this is important is the goal wasn't to just label him and say, well, yeah, he must have like a caffeine addiction. But after we did that and he got through that month of headaches, his anxiety significantly reduced it was amazing to see how like quote unquote normal his emotions felt since doing that. We were not seeing the significant like distress with being anxious and jittery and all over the place. He was talking about how some of the things we were doing, he can now use them better, some of the skills and how they were being more effective. So 
his caffeine use was definitely having an impact on his mental health and even his physical health. And I don't know what would have worked, you know, with him if we didn't think of that and we didn't work together on that. You know, if he kept using the caffeine and I kept throwing stuff at him, you know, I don't know if it was ever going to work if he went to a psychiatrist and wanted something for anxiety no idea how that would have worked with the amount of caffeine he was consuming. That, you know, I love sharing client stories. Client stories are what makes some of this the most enjoyable work that I do. You know, experiencing them with the individual in counseling, but also sharing them with people so they can learn from it. This is one of the most you know, popular favorite of mine to share. And it was something that was not planned on. Didn't even think that we were going to talk about that when that day happened. But that session with that individual, you know, really highlighted the importance of paying attention to something like how much caffeine I consume. How much of an an impact does caffeine have? How am I when I don't have caffeine? And just really looking at exploring that and not necessarily looking at it as, well, you have an addiction, but, you know, yeah, you do have some kind of a dependency here. And what kind of impact is that having? So to conclude, I'm going to give three tips on what to do about it. And the first one is ask yourself, do you believe you consume too much coffee or caffeine? tea, soda, energy drinks? Do you find ever yourself thinking, hey, I need caffeine in order to, or I can't do anything without my morning coffee, you know, tea, whatever the case may be. You know, ask yourself what happens when I don't have my usual caffeinated beverage. Am I one of those walking memes or sayings that I was kind of giving to you guys earlier. Do I post things like that? Do I say things like that? Number two, increase awareness about how much caffeine you are consuming on a daily or weekly basis for even a day or a week. Just look at how much caffeine you consume. Remember, daily recommended amount is 400 milligrams. If you are right around that or lower, you're probably okay. If you're consuming more You might want to take inventory and think about what you would want to do in order to get around that 400. Here's a big kicker. Remember those points about how big you're consuming, what kind of cup size, how you're measuring it, what's being mixed with it. Pay attention to all of the caffeine that you might be consuming. Number three is to consider some alternatives. You know, in last week's episode what is dry January? I talked about there's nothing wrong with wanting to stop or reduce alcohol use. And the same thing goes for caffeine. You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to reduce caffeine use. And there are alternatives that can help, you know, two of the most common ones that I recommend for people who are reducing caffeine is literally water and short walks outside. You know, one of the things that people talk about is feeling headaches and feeling, lethargic but it's amazing how much energy and kind of feel good jolt you can get 
by just having some cold water and walking around breathing in some fresh air. And water really helps, you know, get your blood pumping and that that's going to help you out a lot. So it's okay to consider alternatives and try other things besides automatically jumping to caffeine to deal with stuff. So what do we know? We know that caffeine is a stimulant. It is a popular substance used worldwide, and most often it's used in like that beverage form. We know that it can cause a dependence, and we we need more research on whether or not the addiction part of it is there too, and that needs to be addressed and treated with some individuals. There is potential for caffeine to be harmful, and it can cause withdrawal symptoms. It can potentially impact recovery from addiction and mental health if we don't pay attention to how much we're consuming. Having caffeinated beverages is acceptable. It's okay to do. But as always, we need to be aware of when it starts progressing towards something that could be damaging or disrupting. Make sure to check out social media accounts this week because I'll be posting some more information, graphics, charts, and whatnot about caffeine use. I actually pulled out some of my old textbooks, um, even to share some things I found there. So go to Talking Addiction and Recovery podcast page on Facebook and Talking Addiction Recovery on Instagram. Also, make sure, go to my website at www.andrewjschreier.com and sign up for the official addiction and recovery email list. I have been working on a lot of stuff and information to do an email list so that people can receive additional information, other recordings, discounts, more content, special giveaways, and a lot of other opportunities. Finally, at the end of this month and going into next month, I am going to be having some special guests on this podcast to talk about mental health. An author is going to talk about a book and have someone who is going to discuss pornography addiction. So make sure to tune into those. As always, thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you learned something.